Section two of Make Mine Homogenized by Rick Raphael. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeannie Whitfield. Animal Husbandry and Ranch Management. Barney built a fire under the big smoke blackened cauldron Hetty used for cooking the hogs with. Dale Hamilton, the county agent, had given Hetty a long talk on the dangers of feeding the pigs raw, uncooked, and possibly contaminated garbage. When Hamilton got graphic about what happened to people who ate pork from such hogs, Hetty turned politely green and had Barney set up the cooking cauldron. After dumping the kitchen flops into the pot, Barney hiked back across the yard to get the two pails of bad milk. Hetty was sitting at the kitchen table, putting the eggs into plastic refrigerator dishes, when the hog slop exploded in a whooshing roar, followed a split second later by an even louder blast that rocked the ranch buildings. The eggs flew across the room as the lid of the slop cauldron came whistling through the kitchen window in a blizzard of flying glass and buried itself edgewise in the wall over the stove. Hetty slammed backwards, head first into a heap of shattered eggs. A torrent of broken plaster and crockery fragments rained on her stunned figure. Through dazed eyes, she saw a column of purple-reddish fire rising from the yard. A woman who has been thrown twenty-three times from a pitching bronco and kicked five times in the process doesn't stay dazed long, pawing the dripping egg yolks and plaster from her face. Hetty Thompson struggled to her feet and staggered to the kitchen door. Barney, she bawled, you all right? The column of weird-colored flame had quickly died and only a few flickering pieces of wood from the cauldron fire burned in scattered spots about the yard. Of the cauldron, there wasn't a sign. Barney! She cried anxiously. Where are you? Here I am, Miss Thompson. Barney's blackened face peered around the corner of the tractor shed. You okay, Miss Thompson? What in thunderation happened? Hetty called out. You try to build a fire with dynamite for kindling? Shaken, but otherwise unharmed, Barney painfully limped over to the ranch house porch. Don't ask me what happened, ma'am, he said. I just poured that milk into the slop pot and then put the lid back on and walked off. I heard this big whoosh and turned around in time to see the lid fly off and the kettle begin to tip into the fire. And then there was one hell of a blast. It knocked me clean under the tractor shed. He fumbled in his pocket for a cigarette and shakily lighted it. Hetty peered out over the yard and then looking up, gasped, perched like a rakish derby hat on the arm of the towering pump windmill was the slop cauldron. Well, I'll be, Hetty Thompson said. You sure you didn't pour gas on that fire to make it burn faster, Barney Hatfield? She barked at the handyman. No siree, Barney declaimed loudly. There weren't no gas anywhere near that fire. Only thing I poured out was that there bad milk. He paused and scratched his head. Reckon that funny milk could have done that, Miss Thompson? There ain't no gas made what'll blow up nor burned so funny as that did. Hetty snorted. Who ever heard of milk blowing up, you old idiot? A look of doubt spread. You put all that milk in there. No, just the one bucket. Barney pointed to the other pail beside the kitchen door. 
now half empty, and standing in a pool of liquid sloshed out by the blast wave. Hetty studied the milk pail for a minute, then resolutely picked it up and walked out into the yard. Only one way to find out, she said. Get me a tin can, Barney. She poured about two tablespoons of the milk into the bottom of the can, while Barney collected a small pile of kindling. Removing the milk pail to a safe distance, Hetty lighted the little pile of kindling and set the tin can atop the burning wood, and scooted several yards away to join Barney, who had been watching from afar. In less than a minute, a booming whoosh sent a miniature column of purple, gaseous flame spouting from the can. Well, what do you know about that, Hetty exclaimed wonderingly. The can had flown off the fire a few feet, but didn't explode. Hetty went back to the milk pail, and collecting less than a teaspoonful in the water dipper, walked to the fire. Standing as far back as she could and still reach over the flames, she carefully sprinkled a few drops of the liquid directly into the fire and then jumped back. Miniature balls of purple flame erupted from the fire before she could move. Pieces of flaming kindling flew in all directions, and one slammed Barney across the back of the neck and sent a shower of sparks down his back. The handyman let out a yowl of pain and leaped for the water trough beside the corral, smoke trailing behind him. Hetty thoughtfully surveyed the scene of her experiment from beneath raised eyebrows. Then she grunted with satisfaction picked up the remaining milk in the pail, and went back to the ranch house. Barney climbed drippingly from the horse trough. The kitchen was a mess. Splattered eggs were over everything, and broken glass, crockery, and plaster covered the floor, table, and counters. Only one egg remained unbroken. That was the golden egg. Hetty picked it up and shook it. There was a faint sensation of something moving inside the tough, metallic-looking shell. It shook almost as a normal egg might, but not quite. Hetty set the strange object on a shelf and turned to the task of cleaning up. Johnny Culpepper, the ranch other full-time hand, and Hetty's assistant manager, drove the pickup into the yard just before noon. He parked in the shade of the huge cottonwood tree beside the house and bounced out with an armload of mail and newspapers. Inside the kitchen door, he dumped the mail on the sideboard and started to toss his hat on a wall hook. When he noticed the condition of the room, Hetty was dishing out fragrant warmed-over stew into three lunch dishes on the table. She had cleaned up the worst of the mess and changed into a fresh shirt and jeans. Her iron-gray hair was pulled back in a still damp knot at the back after a hasty scrubbing to get out the gooey mixture of eggs and plaster. Holy smoke, Hetty, Johnny said. What happened here? Your pressure kettle blow up? His eyes widened when he saw the lid of the slop cauldron still embedded in the wall over the stove. His gaze tracked back and took in the shattered window. Had an accident, Hetty said matter-of-factly, putting the last dishes on the table. Tell you about it when we eat. Now, you go wash up and call Barney. I want you to put some new glass in that window this afternoon and get that danged lid out of the wall. Curious and puzzled, Johnny washed at the kitchen sink and then walked to the door to shout for Barney. On the other side of the yard, Barney released the pump windmill clutch. While Johnny watched from the porch, the weight of the heavy slop cauldron slowly turned the big windmill as the arm adorned by the kettle rotated downward. The cast-iron pot 
slipped off and fell to the hard-packed ground with a booming clang. Well, for the love of Pete, Johnny said in amazement. Hey, Barney, time to eat. Come on in. Barney trudged across the yard and limped into the kitchen to wash. They sat down to the table. Now, just what have you two been up to? Johnny demanded as they attacked the food-laden dishes. Between mouthfuls, the two older people gave him a rundown of the morning's mishaps. The more Johnny heard, the wilder it sounded. Johnny had been part of the Circle T since he was ten years old. That was the year Hetty jerked him out of the hands of a Carson City policeman who'd been in the process of hauling the ragged, dirty youngster to the station house for swiping a box of cookies from a grocery store. Johnny's mother was dead, and his father, once the town's best mechanic, had turned into the town's best drunk. During the times his father slept one off, either in the shack the man and boy occupied at the edge of town, or in the local lockup, Johnny ran wild. Hetty took the boy to the ranch for two reasons. Mainly, it was the empty ache in her heart since the death of Big Jim Thompson a year earlier, following a ranch tractor accident that had crushed his chest. The other was her well-hidden disappointment that she had been childless. Eddie's bluff-weathered features would never admit to loneliness or heartache. Beneath the surface, all the warmth and love she had went out to the scared but belligerent youngster. But she never let much affection show through until Johnny had become part of her life. Johnny's father died the following winter after pneumonia brought on by a night of lying drunk in the cold shack during a blizzard. It was accepted without legal formality around the county that Johnny automatically became Hetty's boy. She cuffed and comforted him into a gawky, happy adolescence pushed him through high school, and then, at 18, sent him off to the University of California at Davis to learn what the pundits of the United States Department of Agriculture had to say about animal husbandry and ranch management. End of Section 2